is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. Hey everyone, this is David. Thanks for listening to the Bean to Barstool podcast. Enjoy. When we get together to enjoy beer or chocolate or some other indulgence, we call the event a tasting, but that's not really accurate. We use all of our senses in the process of savoring our favorite artisan foods and drinks, in conscious ways and in ways that run beneath the surface. Because our brains take in information from multiple senses every time we eat or drink, they've come to build up associations we aren't always aware of, and those connections can become an important part of the experience of enjoying a particular food or drink in the future. The pop-pop-pop of corn kernels when your popcorn is almost done, or the frothing exhalation of an espresso machine that means the latte you ordered is almost ready, build anticipation and become a part of the enjoyment of those treats. French silk pie owes its name to a texture, not a flavor, and red velvet cake partially does too. If I ask you what color the flavor of banana is, most of you probably immediately think yellow, even though we don't actually eat the part of the banana that is. The tasting experience is always about more than taste. Our brains are intricate machines anchored by memory, conditioned by time, informed by our senses, compelled by imagination, and colored by emotion. The tasting experience is about all those separate tones of who we are coming together into a perfect chord, and as we learn to release ourselves into that process each time we taste, those experiences string together into a song. A few months back, we played with these sensory associations when we asked artist Katie Clark Gabbard to put paint to canvas in response to tasting beers and chocolates without knowing what they were. The results were illuminating. Today, we're going to talk with a chocolate professional who uses the connection between flavor and color to help people better understand what they're tasting in their favorite chocolate. Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections between craft beer and craft chocolate, using them as lenses for exploring the world of flavor and the way flavor interacts with our memories, emotions, imaginations, and even our identities to teach us more about who we are. My name is David Nilsson. I'm a professional beer writer and educator and an advanced Cicerone. In this episode, we'll talk with Hazel Lee, an international chocolate judge and the creator of Taste with Color, the chocolate tasting flavor map. We talk about how Hazel got into chocolate, what led to the development of her flavor map, and how it's used to deepen and inform the experience of tasting chocolate for both newcomers and experienced tasters. The music for this episode is from the song Umbrella by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S., You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com, where you can also get in touch to book her to play at your brewery or other establishment. I hope you enjoy this episode of Being the Bar Store. 
I noticed that when I saw the words written down on a piece of paper, it would help me. It would prompt me to know what I was tasting. But I realized that I was seeing colors in my mind first and I was speaking in colors or saying, right, first of all, I get a little hint of green and then it becomes yellow and red and then a little bit more purple and it finishes with a little bit of brown. And I realized that none of the tools we had simply categorized flavors by color. That's Hazel Lee, a food scientist in Great Britain, describing the realization that led to creating Taste with Color, a visual map that helps people identify flavors in chocolate by making color associations. Hazel is an international chocolate judge and consultant. Her interest in chocolate started at university when she took a job at Hotel Chocolat in Leeds, and her connection to the world of Bean to Bar really took off on a trip she took in 2013. It was... 2013 I wanted to go on holiday by myself and I didn't want to just hop hostels and go drinking which a lot of people do when they go traveling I wanted to do something food or drink related so I looked at volunteering and I thought maybe I'll volunteer on a coffee farm in Colombia or something and then through a website called Work Away I found this coca farm in the Costa Rican jungle called La Iguana Chocolate that were looking for volunteers and I thought oh that sounds perfect and the dates and the flights all aligned and I went to volunteer at this coca farm in middle of the jungle in Costa Rica and that's when I met cacao in the flesh for the first time. I was making chocolate in the jungle, which is really not the best environment. (laughs) (laughs) But that's when it really kickstarted. And I thought, I love chocolate even more than I realised. And I had an amazing experience there, you know, working and harvesting the cacao and then roasting it and turning it into chocolates and trying to temper on the little cocoa farm. And when I got home, I set myself the challenge to make chocolate from the bean using equipment that I had in my kitchen or at home. And I was using, you know, a hairdryer classic for (laughs) winnowing and a typical domestic oven. And I found a spare granite floor tile I was trying to temper with. But I did have to invest in one piece of equipment, which was the roller refiner, because it's just not possible to get. that smooth texture without it so I did invest in one piece of equipment but otherwise I was successful and I started then making chocolate from the bean I started instagramming and using hashtag bean to bar and somehow I you know started connecting with people online and living very close to London and working in the food industry I managed to, you know, go to events in London and start making connections with people through my passion. And from there, it just started to develop organically. That volunteering experience sounds so cool. That's like such a cool way to get introduced to the whole thing, just kind of getting thrown into the deep end, sort of. What led to starting Taste with Color then? Yeah, so it was a few years later and... I have a regular group of other chocolate fans, other members of the chocolate industry. We get together every couple of months or so to have a little tasting session. Sometimes we'd have a theme, uh, but we'd all bring some bars and we would taste together and share our notes and we'd bring a variety of different tasting tools like a variety of the flavour wheels that are out there. There are many different versions 
particularly in the coffee industry and the wine industry and the beer industry, they're very commonly used. Um, and then sometimes we would have a list of common flavour notes in front of us. There's a variety of different tools, but I noticed that when I saw the words written down on a piece of paper, it would help me. It would prompt me to know what I was tasting. But I realised that I was seeing colours in my mind first and I was speaking in colours or saying, right, first of all, I get a little hint of green and then it becomes yellow and red and then a little bit more purple and it finishes with a little bit of brown. And I realised that none of the tools we had simply categorised flavours by colour. Because these flavour wheels, they are colourful, but it's usually all red for fruits and not all fruits are red. You know, all green for the slightly vegetal notes, whereas there's still a variety of colours of vegetal notes. You can get a, a red bell pepper note, for example, or tomatoey mm. notes. And that is simply what I decided to create. I, I like seeing the words written down because it prompts me to know that's what I'm tasting, but the colour comes first. So I decided to create the tool literally to help myself. So I just did some watercolour painting of the variety of colours that I find in tasting chocolate that, that were in my common language. I wrote a list of the common flavour notes that I would find when tasting. And try to try to make it look aesthetically pleasing, not just, you know, blobs of colour here and there and that they would overlap slightly. Um, and originally I was going to call it the chocolate tasting prompt sheet <laughs> because that was literally what it was. I created it to help me when tasting and it would prompt me. So I would see a colour green in my mind or a colour green would come to my mind when tasting then I would go to the green area see all of the different flavours associated with green and think oh is it grassy is it apple is it lime yes it's lime that's what I taste and seeing the words would prompt me to help me identify what I'm tasting and that's the same when you're in a room of people and somebody will say I taste basil and someone else will say, oh, actually, I taste something herbal and I couldn't figure out what it was. And yes, it's basil. So then when I'd done the painting, it looks slightly like the shape of Africa. The middle part mm. is it's slightly lighter in the middle. I thought that looks a little bit like a map and that sounds a bit nicer. <laughs> the chocolate <laughs> tasting flavour map sounds a bit nicer than a prompt sheet. So I ended up calling it a flavour map because it looks a little bit like a map and it is a map of flavours. And even though I'm a food scientist, people, people expect it to be quite complex and technical, but it's really not. It's very simply categorising flavours by colour and there's no specific detailed scientific reason for why certain colours are next to one another. My approach to tasting is to try and make it as accessible and approachable to as many people as possible because whilst I have an interest in various areas of the whole chocolate supply chain from being in at origin to chocolate making, I feel like helping consumers understand craft chocolate how to appreciate it and how to make it less daunting more approachable you know it is an investment to spend money in craft chocolate and maybe that puts people off quite a lot 
so I like it to be as simple and approachable I don't really believe in being having certification to be able to taste and appreciate chocolate you know it's fair enough to go on courses to to help you but I want it to be as accessible to as many people as possible and that's what I feel taste with colour helps simplify things and I also like that it's it's just a concept as well there's so many flavours and there's different flavours that are common in different countries as well so Oh, sorry, I'm looking up at it <laughs> in front of me <laughs> as I'm talking about it. So I have it in eight different languages now. And as I've translated it with, with help, I've also considered flavors that are common in mm. the countries in that language. I was curious about that because so much of our tasting vocabulary is culturally influenced in what we're exposed to. So you adapt that to different regions absolutely so for example rhubarb is probably more common in it's a very common flavor in the uk perhaps less so in the u.s you've here in the midwest it's fairly common uh because it grows naturally here so we get rhubarb pies and things like that okay great so it's more a, a northern hemisphere i think when I was converting it into Brazilian Portuguese with friends in, in Brazil, there's so many amazing flavours there, like cupuaçu, which is the cousin of cacao. But I've tasted a bar by Arcelia, who owns Mission Chocolate. Oh, I've had that bar. It's excellent. It's just such a mind-blowing bar and it's such an amazing example of, of flavour because it's candied cupuaçu and the flavour of that candied cupuaçu pulp is just out of this world. It's, it's bubblegum-like and that's what inspired me to put bubblegum on the English map. But then in Brazilian Portuguese, I put cupuaçu because most people in Brazil are familiar with the flavour of the pulp rather than the beans you can make a cupolet with the beans but people are very familiar with the flavor of the pulp and it's this explosion of a sort of bananary floral grapey flavor which come together and it tastes like bubble gum I think it's crazy so that inspired me to put bubble gum on there because even though it's it's not really a common natural flavor that occurs in chocolate I thought it was a really interesting flavor to taste in cupuaçu and somebody else had told me that they have found those sorts of flavors and sometimes it's it's hard to put your finger on what it is and bubblegum actually is the easiest descriptor for some of those notes that you can get in flavored bars or occasionally in a plain chocolate bar so those would go in different colors then as you were changing those vocabularies yeah so i i i convert the flavors into the different language and then I would add and remove different flavors that either weren't necessary or would be very applicable to that country or region. So let's give people a better sense of how this works. Walk us through a quick example if somebody was doing this for the first time of how you would instruct them to use the map. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. 
But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Bar Stool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams, and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar Study Guide to pass my Level 2 exam many years ago. I wish the Level 3 had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses. So when I've done tastings, I will always ask people, does anybody else see colours when they taste? Because it's not necessarily something that happens naturally for everyone. It's something that happens naturally for me, but not for everyone. So I like to try and make sure that everybody's on the same page. So if they don't, I like to do a little warm up. And I just get people to think about what flavors they'd associate with certain colors. So I say, what flavors would you associate with the color yellow? And then people would call out various colors, honey, banana, butter, lemon. And then I would call out a few different colors and get people in the zone. And that would then get people to start thinking in that way because originally I thought that this concept was synesthesia and it's not (laughs) my understanding is that synesthesia is more abstract and unique to the individual so you might see I you know you might taste a chocolate bar and see blue which would be totally unrelated to the specific flavor notes that perhaps were in there somebody else would see green in a raspberry flavored bar for example whereas cross-modal correspondence is apparently what it is where I'm just associating the color of the food that has that flavor with the the word and the flavor so raspberries are pink um, and you know butter is yellow and mint is green for example there are again some that perhaps might have a variety of different colors so some people see licorice as black Mm. other people might see it as a light brown color because of their association with it but again it's just a concept it's just a different way of getting people to think a little bit differently and how to express what they're tasting so we'd have the little warm up um, and then we'd just talk a little bit about how to approach chocolate tasting. I like to try and use all five senses so people forget that we taste with our eyes. I'd tell them to look at the chocolate, maybe talk a little bit about chocolate bloom, about the different colours that cacao beans can give to a chocolate. And then we'd listen to our chocolate, we'd snap it and talk a little bit about tempering and then we would 
smell it after we snapped it, although you don't get a huge amount of aroma from the chocolate when it's in your hands, you get all the aroma when it's melting mm. in your mouth. And then allow the chocolate to melt in the mouth and close your eyes and just see what comes to your mind. So after having that little warm up, it gets people in the zone a little bit. Um, and maybe if they wouldn't normally see colors when they taste, I just say, let the chocolate speak to you. It might tell you different things. It might bring up a memory. It might create a shape in your mind. And then also with some painting workshops, which are really interesting, I get people to just paint what they taste or paint whatever it is that comes to your mind. Sometimes people paint a memory. Sometimes they paint shapes. Sometimes they paint circle or, or a journey of flavor because as we know with craft chocolate what's so amazing about it is that it's a flavor journey and that's what's so different about craft chocolate versus mass-produced chocolate is that you've got a beautiful flavor journey. I imagine because of the different ways that people's minds work you probably run into some degree of cynicism or reluctance sometimes like how do you respond with somebody who just isn't buying in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have had some people come up to me who I've never met before, who have never been to a workshop and say, wow, this is amazing. I love this way of tasting. This really works for me. I don't even need to explain it to them. And then I do have some people that come up to me and go, I don't get it. <laughs> And I say, that's okay. You know, I can explain it to you if you like, but if you don't get it, that's okay. And I want people to feel comfortable to choose their way of tasting. You know, we're human beings, we're all very different. We all have different styles and it's very rare that one thing will work for everyone. There's different ways of tasting and we're all built and programmed differently. So it's it's not for everyone and I I don't ever believe in forcing anything so if people aren't interested they don't get it and they're not interested in trying to understand it then that's absolutely fine there's other ways of tasting and it's not a problem and I encourage them to perhaps explore other methods of tasting to find what works for them it's as simple as that really. On your website you talk about the idea of cross-modal correspondence in other sensory experiences. Can you explain that a little bit and give some examples beyond tasting with color? Yeah, so there's quite a rabbit hole you can go into with this. And there's so much cross-modal correspondence happening everywhere that we don't really realize it. So some other examples that you can include that relate to chocolate is texture. So the way to describe texture, or if you, if you looked at a chocolate bar and one had sandy cut type textured image or, or style of artwork and then one had more waves and smooth curvaceous they would already influence you in how you would perceive the texture of the bar even just touching something smooth whilst eating some chocolate will influence how you taste it and then it's also, they're also used as descriptors. So you can use images to describe a texture and sounds. And even there's even a, a wine company that has pictures of members of family on each bottle. 
which is their way of describing the wine. And that will already influence you or give you an idea of what it will taste like, or it's using, you know, people's faces or personalities to describe flavor. So there's so many different ways you can look at it in terms of different shapes and sounds and personalities and color and texture and all sorts. How many years has it been now since you first developed this? I think it was, I think it might have even been July actually in 2017. So it's actually five years. All right. Time for a celebration. And I haven't been counting. You just, uh, <laughs> you just brought that to my attention. <laughs> That's great. You, you got to celebrate. Yeah. In that time, how has this influenced your own tasting process? You developed it, but since you've kind of been leaning into it, I wonder if it's influenced even further how you experience chocolate? Yeah, I still I still use this way of tasting. And I think it's helped me when I taste with other people that they also find it helpful when they're tasting. So for example, when I'm doing chocolate judging, I will have it in front of me and other people will be looking at it and we're we're pointing to certain areas and it, it helps facilitate how we communicate what we taste in the bar and our flavor journeys and our flavor experience. So I'd say that I still taste the same way. I still use it and it's helpful and it, it fulfills the need that I was looking for, for why I created it. But what's really helpful now is that it has created this common language with other people that I'm judging chocolate with, or if I'm doing a, a tasting workshop, it helps people communicate what they taste a little bit more easily uh, in a more simplified way of saying, I also get yellow, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. So it simplifies the way I taste and that then means it's easy when I'm tasting with other people to have a little bit more of a common language. This process feels like it would be particularly beneficial for relatively inexperienced tasters who maybe would feel kind of intimidated by the idea of trying to pick apart these flavors. What benefit would you say Taste With Color has for more trained tasters or chocolate professionals who already have a framework for tasting? I did a tasting workshop and somebody who is a very experienced taster they're a chocolate judge they've done chocolate tasting training courses they said a really sweet comment which really touched me and they said that they felt more empowered to share what they taste after my workshop even though they were really experienced and what I try to promote or to I try to empower people a little bit when we're tasting because I spend a lot of time talking about how we all taste things differently you know we all have different biochemistry we all have different backgrounds and what you taste is what you taste and you're not wrong and I think that when you go down a route of tasting certificates and I've done them myself I've done the WSCT Wine Spirits and Education Trust, which is a very big body in the drinks industry. I've done um, the wine tasting and the spirits tasting. And the whole point with those training courses is that it's a very systematic approach to tasting so that you can judge very objectively um, and, and assess the quality of, of a product. 
but what I do with taste with color is I try to empower people to share what they taste and say that there's no right or wrong that we all taste differently what you taste is what you taste and that then makes people feel more comfortable in sharing what they taste because if you've got flavor notes written on a chocolate bar or on the back of a wine bottle and you're at a tasting and you're tasting blind I even feel it myself where I feel a little bit nervous or shy to share what I taste because what if nobody else tastes that and then they think I'm stupid or they think I'm not a very good taster because I taste something different from everyone else. So I really try to put empower that into people to be confident in sharing what they taste and that maybe it reminds them of something that somebody sitting next to you has never tasted in their life. You know, I've done these tastings in in Thailand, in the Caribbean, in Europe, and, you know, a whole variety of people have been tasting. So maybe when I'm doing a workshop in Thailand with the same chocolate bar, they're going to find flavor notes that perhaps something from Thailand, like a herb from Thailand that somebody in Amsterdam or the Caribbean has never tasted before. So that's the main thing I like to try and instill in people is that there's no right or wrong. It's all about you having fun and enjoying the journey and getting the most out of the chocolate, because the more people that enjoy the experience of tasting craft chocolate, the more people in the rest of the supply chain that will benefit from it. So that's the main thing. And having this one person say to me that they felt shy tasting, even though they've got a load of, you know, qualifications in tasting and experience in judging and all of that credibility, they felt more empowered to share what they tasted after my workshop, because I'm trying to focus on empowering people to believe in what they taste and not be shy about it. I love that. As a trained beer taster, I think all of us that are trained in whatever field it is, in some ways, the more trained you are, the more self-conscious you can be once you get beyond those concrete descriptors, because it feels like you're you're losing your objectivity. You're losing, you're letting go of that that concrete training and you're just starting to get kind of vague. And I like the permission that this grants to just let our brains do the weird things that they do. Exactly. It really is almost a type of meditation. It really gets people to go inside themselves. And what I love as well is that when I go around the table and ask people to share what they tasted, especially when they've they've painted, I've given them one square of chocolate and they've got all of these colors and shapes on a little piece of paper that they've painted and they can spend five minutes talking about that chocolate. (laughs) Whereas if you've just given it to them and said, what do you taste? They sort of feel this pressure. Whereas if you give them this more insular introverted way of expressing themselves on a piece of paper through a certain medium with paint and a paintbrush, it's just, it's, fascinating to see what comes out of people and I also try to you know empower people as well to not criticize themselves with saying oh I can't paint because that happens a lot you know I people say oh I'm not creative or I can't paint and I say everybody can put their paintbrush in some water and in some paint and put it on the paper 
you can paint and if you limit yourself with that then of course you're not going to be able to if you tell yourself you can't and to say just put all that to one side painting or creativity is an expression and not a skill and that helps as well I just try to remove some obstacles that I can to just allow people to just focus on themselves and on the chocolate and just see what happens so my biggest fear is somebody says I just taste brown (laughs) (laughs) and they just paint a brown square and say I just taste chocolate but you know sometimes that can be somebody's experience and that's okay as well you know as I said before not everybody's gonna get it so so you, you said that you're a trained wine and spirits taster. I'm an advanced Cicerone, so I'm a trained beer taster. Have you found that this process translates over pretty well to other food and drink categories? So it was 2018. I did the, the level two in wines and I started trying to create a wine version and then other projects took priority. So I still have a draft painted some, somewhere. <laughs> And I was actually trying to do a coffee version, but I got stuck because there's so much overlap of flavors and the color categories of flavors in coffee and chocolate. So I have used my my chocolate taste with color for coffee tasting. So sometimes gone to a coffee cupping where everybody's got brought loads of bags of coffee and they do traditional cupping style tasting and I've had the color map there and it it helps again it's just simplifying the vocabulary and to try and bring a a different type of common language that's a little bit simpler for people to describe what they're tasting I haven't yet done any painting with coffee but I think that's the most similar food or drink that is similar to chocolate basically the most it's the most overlapping of flavors that means this map would be useful for coffee but there are other foods people talk about cheese but again the colors would be probably quite different in cheese there's probably more meaty hammy interesting flavors in cheese that this color map wouldn't work for cheese We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Final Gravity Issue 4 is now available in the Bean to Barstool shop. This fourth issue of our zine telling intimate, human-centered stories from the world of beer is full of great articles, including Kate Power of Lady Justice Brewing talking about why she might be done with beer festivals, Ukrainian beer writer Lana Svitinkova writing about the Zeugel brewing tradition in Germany, UK writer Matthew Curtis talking about the blend of old and new in the Cascale tradition in Manchester, and many more. We believe passionately in this project, and if you believe the story of beer is ultimately a story about people and relationships, we think you'll love Final Gravity as well. You can order the new issue from our shop on beantobarstool.com, or you can also subscribe, including subscribing for your brewery tap room or break room, or you can subscribe and sign up to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash zines. Now, back to the episode. You, 
you mentioned the cultural exchange that takes place when you're tasting with somebody of a different background or from a different location. And that's something that I love about the tasting experience. Does that ever lead you to update your version of the map as you kind of gain new vocabulary or is it pretty established at this point? From for my main English version, I've only made one update since I first created it in terms of the flavors that are on there. I had earthy and soil, and I realized that they're basically the same thing. So I remove soil because earthy covers it, essentially. It's a bit broader. And I did add Marmite, which again, might be very British. <laughs> Do you guys have Marmite or know what it is? I know what it is, but it's not really a part of life over here. Yeah. So in Australia, they have Vegemite, which is their version of Marmite. So they are familiar with it and they are obsessed with Vegemite over there. But I'm aware that it's quite a British flavor, Marmite, but it is this salty yeast extract. And sometimes it's really vivid in chocolate. And I actually put it on there because I tasted so many chocolates and I got such a vivid Marmite note. I had one chocolate once when I was judging the Academy of Chocolate Awards a few years ago that literally tasted like Marmite and peanuts, that it made me crave peanut butter and Marmite on toast. And I went home and made some peanut butter and Marmite on toast because a chocolate bar tasted like that. It's funny that you mentioned earthy. Uh, Back in the winter, I have a painter friend and I did an episode where I had her taste some chocolates and some beers without knowing what they were. And she just created spontaneous paintings from them. And at one point she was tasting earthy notes and she was painting that as a vibrant, bright green, which to me, earthy was, you know, it's a, it's a brown gray, like a soil like color. And so I put a question out on Twitter of like, when you just hear earthy with no other context, what colors go along with that? And the range of colors just blew me away, you know, from gold and yellow through all the shades of brown and into green. And like everybody had a slightly different idea of what earthy was. Yeah, that's, again, just going back to how individual tasting is, you know, and you could you could interpret every flavor in your own way and taste with color is just a concept to get you to think about things in that way and flavors are missing or I've put flavors in some places that is my interpretation and usually it's related to the color of the food that the flavor comes from itself Mm -hmm. the main exception is vanilla but I think most people would associate vanilla with a a light creamy white color because Mm. most vanilla flavored products are that color in nature. It's also quite a soft, delicate, aromatic flavor that dark brown doesn't seem to work, even though a vanilla pod would be dark brown. But yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And that sounds like synesthesia, the bright green, but everybody has their own expression and that's what's so amazing about life you know we all have such different viewpoints and interests and ways of expressing ourselves in life that it's sort of infinite you know to do different tastings and to hear different ways of expressing yourself the way my painter friend explained it, she used to be a florist. And so when she thinks of earthy, she thinks of what's growing out of it. So she was thinking very planty colors, even though 
the the flavor itself was earthy. It was just really interesting, the connotations that came from that. So what chocolates have you been enjoying lately? What have been some favorites that you've been getting into? So I have just been doing some judging (laughs) remotely. So I have got a lot of leftovers that I've been enjoying. But last year when I was judging the Academy of Chocolate, um, we're obviously limited with the pandemic of how to rewrap everything. But I discovered one maker when I was judging that really blew me away. So I only tasted a couple of the bars that I really like. So I decided to buy a variety from their range and that's Karuna. They're based in South Tyrol in Italy. And I'm quite a texture snob. I like a smooth texture. Um, I generally love, you know, really crunchy pork crackling and things like that. I'm really into texture and I like my chips or your day fries to be really crispy. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to chocolate and I make chocolate myself, I know how easy it is to make it smooth and creamy. I can make it at home smooth and creamy. And I'm aware that it's sometimes people's style to make it have a little bit of a grainy, more, I would say more masculine texture to have a little bit of graininess to it, a little bit rough around the edges. But what I love about Karuna is that they are exceptionally smooth and creamy. And they had this hazelnut bar that really blew me away. And I bought, I've made about two or three orders since last summer when I discovered them. Um, So I've still been eating some of those that I've bought recently. And there's a hazelnut bar, which is a dark milk made with roasted cashews as the milk with then roasted hazelnuts. And they're very dangerous because I can eat a whole one very quickly. And that's the kind of chocolate that I really love. I love tasting single origin bars, but I'm really into the slightly more confection side. You know, I really like salted caramel. Caramel's actually not a huge thing over here in the UK. Mm. There's a lot of salted caramel flavored things, but not many people buy caramels. Whereas I think in the States it's massive. And I know a lot of chocolate makers say that's what pays the bills so they can make chocolate you know I love caramel so last week I went into Paul A. Young store he's a chocolatier here and got a salted caramel filled bar and again very dangerous eat it very quickly but that's the kind of stuff that I love and doesn't last long in my house whereas the single origin bars I like to taste them and have a little bit now and then with my black coffee in the morning, but I can keep them for a long time. A lot of people say, how do you have so much chocolate in the house? You know, some people can't live with that chocolate in the house because they will just eat it. But if it's that kind of chocolate that's got milk and nibs or some caramel or something like that, that's the kind of stuff that I go crazy for and does not last long at all. Enjoying chocolate or beer or another food or drink is about more than our sense of taste, but it's about more than just our senses to begin with. 
Our connection to specific foods and drinks and our vocabulary for describing flavors and aromas can be influenced by the culture we're a part of, our national or ethnic roots, where we've lived, our religious or socioeconomic backgrounds, and many other factors that don't, on the surface, seem to have anything to do with flavor directly. This was the subject of the very first episode of Beat the Barstool two years ago, provoked by my wife and I realizing that we were bringing very different vocabularies to the experience of tasting one very complex beer. Back in episode 16, we spoke with Dr. J. Nicole Jackson Beckham about the cultural influences of flavor vocabulary, how to make the flavor lexicon of beer specifically more accessible to people of diverse backgrounds, and how the tasting experience itself can be used to invite new people to the table and expand our own understanding of flavor. Hazel shared how interesting it has been for her to use the Taste with Color flavor map with folks from other countries and cultures, and it's a great reminder that when we approach the tasting experience with humility and vulnerability and open ourselves to the stories our fellow tasters have to tell, we get a deeper appreciation for chocolate, beer, and the amazing experience of flavor. I'll put links to those past episodes and to Hazel's website and social media accounts in the show notes. Thanks again to Hazel for coming on the show and to all of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Being the Barstool.